Good morning, family. God is good. Yes, and all the time. Amen to that. Hallelujah. Well, let's just say amen because Brandon and the worship team have already preached my message this morning. So everything's already, everything changes when the lamb is in the room. How many know that? How many believe that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to take a deeper dive this morning into this idea of the Lamb's agenda, what He has in store for us this morning. So uh, hang on, open your Bibles, and uh, we'll see where the Word of the Lord takes us today. Amen? Praise God. Uh, well, let's just... Uh, Let's stand together for a minute. I, I know when I was in children's church, it kind of reminds me of a childhood song I used to sing when I was in children's church. When you're up, you're up, and when you're down, you're down, but when you're only halfway up, you're neither up nor down. So <laughs> we do a lot of spiritual calisthenics, but it keeps us, uh, it keeps us alert and sharp. Uh, the glory of the Lord is in this room. How many are aware of that this morning? The glory of the Lord. When you behold the Lamb, His glory shows up. Those are two of my favorite verses. The knowledge of the Lord's glory will cover the earth. I had a vision of that one night. It looked like a volcanic eruption. Anybody ever seen lava flow? It consumes everything in its path. That's what the knowledge of the Lord's glory is doing right now. It's consuming everything in its path. God is making it evidently clear that he's in charge and he is in control. Hallelujah. Would you just stretch your hand this way towards me and just ask the Lord for divine guidance and wisdom and anointing, Father? Would you just release over us this morning? We just declare it this morning clarity of mind, that our spirits are open and receptive to what you want to say to us by your spirit. Father, would you just open up a wellspring in us this morning? Let the well of living water begin to flow out of us so that the good work that you are doing in each of us, you will be faithful as you have declared to complete it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> oh, if you know this, just sing it with me um, when we get to the refrain of it. But it goes like this. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. 
So I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. How many know it's all about him? I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is among us this morning. Bless you. I felt the Holy Ghost on that. Hallelujah. That means when this is empty, I'm done. So, what was that? Don't spill it. <laughs> oh, don't spill it. All right. Let's talk about the Lamb's agenda this morning. We've, boy, did they have you, seriously? They're they're preaching, they're preaching good this morning. Uh, the worship team was just right on it with what the Holy Spirit is saying among us today, because this is this is faith building. This is encouragement to you and I as believers. You see, as followers of Christ. We ought to stand committed not to the agenda of the donkey or the elephant, but only to the agenda of the lamb. The agenda of Christ Jesus is one of righteousness and justice, sanctification and service, covenant and community. Holiness and humility, conviction and compassion. When the Bible talks about this holy more, the holiness of God, it's talking about one who is exalted or worthy of complete devotion because God is one who is perfect in goodness and in righteousness. Psalm 99.9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. The Hebrew word for holy is kadesh. It means in simpler terms to be set apart for a specific purpose. You and I, according to what Brandon read to us this morning out of 1 Peter 2, we're set apart, we're called out, we're a holy nation, we're a royal priesthood, we're a peculiar people, but we've been set apart for a righteous purpose. Now, 
When you start talking about holy and holy enters the room, a lot of people turn you off. It's almost like communication repellent. You just spray holy on people and they just kind of back up because they think the, the mentality seems to have permeated the church to some degree that when you talk about holiness, you're talking about something that's unattainable. But every one of us has that element of holy, especially if you identify with the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever identified with the Holy Spirit? We're going to see this morning as we dive a little deeper into the Word what the work of the Holy Spirit does to affect the change of the holiness of God. Holiness is not about being absolutely perfect, but instead it's about being separated from what is sinful. You remember we said last time when we talked about the gardener being in the room, that holy meets me where I, I mean love meets me where I am, but holy takes me where I need to go. Well, I'll give you a new one today. Love forgives me, but holy heals me. Love forgives me, but holy heals me. We can't make ourselves perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We can't make ourselves blameless, but we can choose to be set apart for the purposes of God. Thus, we can choose to be holy. The Holy Spirit is that Spirit who both is and makes us holy. This is the title given to the third person of the Trinity. And it's clearly discernible that the triune God is holy in essence and He's holy in His character. The expectation of the Holy One and His character unalterably demands a likeness in those who bear His name. How many bear His name this morning? I'm talking to the right group. He consistently requires and supplies the means by which to produce a holy people. Hebrews 12. You can go there in Scripture if you can follow me. I don't know if we can get it up on the screen, but here we go. Verse 10 and 11. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness, or right standing with God, and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and God's purpose. How many know we're conforming? That's part of the transformation process that Romans 12 talks about. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21. And we're going to do a lot of scripture here, and then we're going to, I'm going to wrap it up. Five, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judicially be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has bestowed upon us his precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value so that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable desire and become sharers of divine nature. Hallelujah. The great revivalist Oswald Chambers said this, Spiritual life is not measured by ecstasy, but by obedience. How many can grasp that truth this morning? We didn't come here to feel good. We came here to obey God and to submit to his purposes. You see, because he knows what you have need of even before you, even before you need it. Your spiritual growth and closeness to God cannot be measured by your feelings. That's why so many of us get on this Roller coaster, this spiritual roller coaster. We're up today and down tomorrow. We're up and down and up and down. It's not measured by our feelings, by the highs and lows, by our excitement at a given time or a given service. Your closeness to God is determined by your obedience to God. Obedience is the supreme requirement for a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. His life was described by that of humility for the joy that was set before him. He endured the suffering of the cross. His delight was to obey the Father and to fulfill the word of God by living out that word. Sin, on the other hand, is seeking to find my identity and worth any place other than God and His Word. Did you hear that? Sin wants to define you, and it will lay on you after, if you, especially if you buy into the deception, it will lay on you fear and shame. But God has chosen, when we come into the glory of His presence, and the Lamb is in the room, and the Lamb is in our lives, and we begin to declare what the Lamb has spoken over us, and His glory begins to consume our very lives, He lifts the shame off of us. He introduces us into the glory of His presence. 
is the chorus we sing, Oh, the glory of your presence. We, your people, give you reverence. So arise from your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For just as through one man's disobedience, his failure to hear, his carelessness, but many were made sinners. So through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous and acceptable to God and brought into right standing with him. For the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more so that as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness which brings eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I know this is going to be a lot of word for a minute, but I'm going somewhere with this if you can hang with me. If you're taking notes, you, you can take this and chew on it for the next three or four weeks, because this is some good word. This is heavy-duty stuff. Now, I know we don't like to delve into the word like that. We want, and listen, I'm not the kind of preacher that came in here to tickle our ear this morning. I didn't come to just make us feel good. I came to give you tools and equipment for the warfare that you're, that you're raging from day to day, from week to week, against the enemy who seeks to devour your very soul. That's his assigned purpose, is to shut us down from declaring the works of the Lord. If he can muzzle you, if he can shut you up by laying fear and, and shame upon you, he's winning the war. But I'm here to declare to you today that the glory of the Lord is in this room. And that the glory of the Lord is lifting the shame and the burden of sin and setting at liberty those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I love free people. I love people that walk in the liberty that Christ has set us free. Now John takes a view of Scripture from the inside out because he gets to see the Father in a different perspective than many of us get to see him. But when we said this morning, behold the lamb, behold the lamb, behold him on the throne. There's a reason that the lamb is there. There's the reason that he's been elevated to that position. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Verse 1 through 6. I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, closed and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel announcing with a loud voice, Who is worthy, having the authority and virtue, to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, in Hades, the realm of the dead, was able to open the scroll or look into it. 
And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. Then one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping! Look closely. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome and conquered. He can open the scroll and break its seven seals. And there between the throne with the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb, Christ, standing, bearing scars and wounds as though it had been slain, with seven horns, complete power, with seven eyes, complete knowledge, and which are the seven spirits of God who have been sent on duty into all the earth. How many know God's got angels on assignment? Where sin abounds, what? Say it. Grace. We've got it. Grace much more abounds. Verse 7. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of fragrant incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song of glorious redemption, singing, Worthy and deserving are you to take the scroll and break its seals, for you were slain, sacrificed, and with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests, of royal subjects, and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. Hallelujah. John is describing here the crucified, risen, and ascended Savior. In John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary has returned and was standing outside the tomb. She's weeping. She stooped down and looks inside the tomb. And the angel declares to her, Woman, why are you crying? And she said, Because they've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they've taken him. And after this, she sees Jesus standing there. And he says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And the woman looked and supposing him to be the gardener. The gardener returned. She replied, Sir, if you are the one who's carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. But Jesus said to her, Now get this, Mary, and she said to him, Rabboni, teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't hold me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Now hold on to that thought because that's important. I know I'm, we're talking about uh, we're, we're ascending Jesus and he's descending and he's up and he's down. But he, there's a purpose for why God has him ascending and descending. And it affects you and I. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Look at this. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, here's why. 
He led captivity captive, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended on high above all the heavens, that he, his presence, might fill all things, that is, the whole universe. He's filling us. Isn't that part of what our mission statement is? So that he can fill us with all things, fill us with himself. Notice what David says about ascension in, in Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend onto the mountain of the Lord, and who may stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false, nor has sworn oaths deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need, who seek your face as did Jacob, Selah. The word Selah means pause and think about it. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Hallelujah. Was that what we were doing here this morning in worship? Lift up your heads. Are you looking for the King? Are you looking for Him? Those that were ready, those that had oil in their lamps, and their lamps were, lamps were trimmed and burning. Those were the ones that when the bridegroom appeared, he was ready and they went in for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lift up your heads and be lifted up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he then, this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, who rules over all creation with his heavenly armies. Let me tell you something. The Lord has amassed an army that is fighting for us on our behalf. Oh my God, what's happening with Russia and the Ukraine? Wars and rumors of wars. It's a sign of what's going on in these last days, of the end times. Don't let your heart be troubled. This is a sign of what God is doing to bring everything to, the, to culmination because he's exposing the darkness. God does his best work when the darkness tries to take over. His light shines brightest when it's the darkest time. When it's the darkest moment in your life, God desires to show up and do his greatest work and show his mighty power. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord at work in your life. He's strong and he's mighty and he's making war. He's marshaled a garrison, an army that's got your back. He's backing you up and he will defend you and he will sustain you. Amen. Hallelujah be to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Back to Revelation 5. 
Now we've got him ascended. He's on the throne. He's come and he's led captivity captive. Why do you think the scripture says he went into the bowels of the earth and when he came forth, he had the keys to death, hell, and the grave? Why did he need keys? Because there was something that needed to be unlocked. And those that had been confined into the depth of the womb, the bowels of the earth, he went and unlocked it and he brought them out and he led captivity captive and brought them back into the throne room of God, into the presence of the Lord. He brought them with him. Now if he took them, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going away. I'm going to ascend back to the Father, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. Did you know he has a place prepared for you today? So don't get faint-hearted and don't lose hope and don't throw in the towel. He's preparing something. He has a purpose that he's preparing you for. God, what are you teaching me in the midst of this turmoil? I'm in a struggle. I'm in a divine wrestle. What's going on? The Lord's strong and mighty in battle. Lift up your heads that hang down. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Let the King of glory in. Let the Lamb of glory, slain from the foundation of the world, let him in. He's bottled up your prayers. He's bottled up your tears. He says, I've purchased them with my blood. What does that mean? That the prayers of the saints that are bottled up, those prayers have to be heard. Those prayers have to be heard because the blood of the Lamb gives them the right to be heard before the Father. Turn to somebody right now and, de and declare this. Not one of your prayers are lost because of what the Lamb has purchased. Not one of them is lost. Well, God doesn't hear me. Yes, he does. He hears you when you pray. They sang a new song. We sang a new song this morning. Behold the Lamb. I just sense the presence of the Lord just fill this room this morning as we begin to declare the Lamb and His presence in the room. They sang a new song. Holy, holy, holy. Now, when Scripture uses a word more than once, it's a reason. There's a reason there. When Jesus said to the disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He said, Verily, listen to what I'm about to tell you because it's of valuable importance. Holy, 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 when Scripture declares that, and by the way, they're declaring that around the throne as I speak. Is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory and with His presence. Holy denotes intimacy. God, when He says holy, come closer. Holy I want you to get close enough that you can hear the whisper 
of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's an observation. Holy, when we declare the Lamb is holy, it's an observation. But hear this. Worthy is a testimony. Holy is an observation. Worthy is a testimony. You see, when demons look at holy, they can make an observation, but they can't say God is worthy because they've never been touched and redeemed by holy. You see, when you touch holy, you're either redeemed or you die. Mm. But now, because of the blood of the Lamb, we come boldly to the throne of grace and we receive what? Mercy. Oh, here's something new added. He wants to bring something new to our attention. We come into his presence and we receive grace and we receive mercy. See, there's a reason for this sequence. You have to pass through mercy to get to grace and where there was no mercy at the throne before the lamb got there, there was only holy. And beloved, if you have to face holy without the mercy of God, it's a scary moment. Just ask Isaiah when he suddenly popped into another world and he said, I'm dead. I'm a man of unclean lips. Watch the language he uses in chapter 6. When I saw that King Uzziah had died, I saw a vision. The Lord sitting on the throne, high and exalted. The train of his royal robe filling the most holy part of the temple. Above him seraphim, heavenly beings stood. Each one had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. With two wings, he covered his feet. With two wings, he flew. And one called out to the other saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out. And the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of ceremonially unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. The one, then one of the seraphim flew, flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully. This has touched your lips, your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoings is taken away, and your sin is atoned and forgiven. Now that word, we, we understand the word atonement. Your sin is atoned and forgiven. But that implication there was simply temporary. Why? Because the atoner had not yet come. He was still to come. His seat was still empty in the throne room. It's called, anybody ever heard of the mercy seat? His seat was still empty. But in the revelation scenario, the lamb has taken his seat because the lamb's seat was, was set there so that we could come boldly to the throne of grace. We pass through mercy and we get the grace 
that we need. Hebrews chapter 4. And understand, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptation. But one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. In every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace in time of need. Just at the right moment, God shows up. Just as the right moment, we understand that he's in control and he speaks comfort and he speaks peace in the midst of what's going on in our lives. When the blood of the lamb is sprinkled over the mercy seat, it atoned for the sins of man once and for all. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I don't have to find a bull or a goat or a lamb or a turtle dove and take it to the high priest so that he can sacrifice to atone for our sin, that once and for all the blood of the lamb has been sprinkled on the mercy seat and we don't ever need to do it anymore. And the Father comes and manifests it. He is enthroned, get this, above the mercy seat. Take a trip into the throne room with me if you will. Holy doesn't sit on the mercy seat, the lamb does. But there's a way we can get to holy that doesn't kill us. We need, to, we need that mercy seat occupied. And so when Hebrews says Jesus died and took the seat at the right hand of the Father, Revelation says, John, I saw the lamb show up. And there was the throne and the seraphim, and I saw somebody worm his way in through and take a seat that wasn't there just a minute ago. Everything changes, ladies and gentlemen, when the lamb enters the room. When the lamb is on the mercy seat. They sang a new song. The term means made new again. Made new again. There are two words there for new. One has to do with time and space. In other words, it didn't exist before now. Made new. But that's not the word here. It means it has been beaten, but it was made new again. It was beaten, but it was made new again. And then suddenly something happens in the heavenlies. Another glimpse of the throne room. There's no salvation if the lamb doesn't take the book. My little ones, my dear children, I'm writing you so that you will not sin and violate God's law. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Now hear that word. Who will intercede for us. How many knows that, know that Jesus is our advocate? We're going to see this in a minute. He's our advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, the upright, the just one who conforms to the Father's will, obedience in every way, in every purpose, in every thought, in every action. 
And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. The atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God. Is anybody thankful for that this morning? Anybody thankful for that? He is the atoning sacrifice. He holds back God's wrath and says, God stops the devil in his tracks and says, no, that's enough. That's as far as you can go. Hallelujah. Half empty. It's good. First John chapter 2. There's no salvation if the lamb's not in the room. Subsequently, there's no power if the lamb's not in the room. And there is no kingdom authority. No salvation, no power, no kingdom authority. The lamb has to be in the room. I'm not talking about just a physical room. I'm talking about a spiritual room. The room of your heart. Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was thrown down, the age-old serpent who's called the devil, Satan. He who continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabited world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, dominion reign of our God, and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. And this is the verse we like to quote, but we can't quote this verse unless we embrace the aforementioned because he's been thrown down. He's been divested of his power in our lives. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Stop letting words come out of your mouth that give the enemy power to deceive you, lay fear on you, and place shame upon you. It's designed to shut you down. That's what the enemy desires to do. He is known as the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser. But here, verse 11, what happens? They overcame and conquered him. Somebody say conquered him. They overcame and they conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. How'd you like to be in the Ukraine today? There are believers there who are facing death and they are not backing down. They are standing bold and standing strong in their faith even in the midst of severe persecution. They are faced with death, but they will overcome. The Word of God has assured them of that. 
the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb, and they don't care about their lives in this present world, even their faith when faced with death. Now circle back to verse 9. John's revelation of the great dragon, the great deceiver. Notice here this is the first act of evil recorded in Scripture. The first act of evil recorded in Scripture is deception. Let me tell you something. The enemy is a master at deception. He's a master at deceiving us. He can fool us into thinking something so right when it's so destructive. It's like the old country song I heard one time. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. And we're, my generation didn't deal with, if God says he's all love, why can't I live with my live-in boyfriend and it be okay? That's what we're facing today. Why, why can't I do things and it be okay because, after all, God's all love. And if he's all loving, it's just not fair that God wouldn't allow. But that's because we don't understand the accuser and his destructive deception at work in our lives. There's never a moment that when we allow the testimony that is the declaration of what God has done in our lives. There's never a moment when you dare put the testimony of the cross on your lips that the force of the blood of the Lamb is not brought to bear on that moment. When you begin to declare what the word of the Lord is. So what do we do when the accuser shows up? And he will. Hello, somebody. This is where we're going. When the accuser shows up, and he will. Let me tell you something, personal. When I started preparing this and started researching and delving into holy, and there's a whole mass of theology out there on this idea of holy, the possibilities of holy and what it produces in our lives as believers. There is so much more than what I even have time to communicate here this morning. But here's what I discovered when I started researching holy. When you set out on the journey to pursue the purposes of God in being holy and being set apart for godly purposes, the accuser is going to come after you. He's going to come after your mind. He's going to come after your flesh. Boy, your flesh is going to rise up and start wanting things and desiring things and looking for things that you never thought possible. You, you, you start out, God, I want you. I want, the whole, I want your holy things. I want your, I want your holiness. I want this holy more that you promised me. I want it at work in my life. Boy, here he comes. Well, we'll see if you really want that. Remember this. There are two thrones in your life. 
For those of you of legal minds, this will help you. Tim, this is for you. There's a judicial throne where decisions are made. And then there's the throne of my heart. That's the throne of my heart where judicial decisions, where I make choices, where I make decisions. Let me tell you, there's another throne. There's the throne of heaven. And the lamb is before the throne. Remember I just told you a minute ago, Hebrews says he's our advocate. There is an advocate before the throne and he's advocating an outcome that wasn't under consideration before. You see, before mercy and before the Lamb sat upon the mercy seat and we passed through mercy to get to grace and holy was hovering over us, we were destined to die. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. But the advocate, the Holy One, the Lamb shows up and says, Oh, but Father, I've got another outcome I'd like to suggest. And I'd like for you to take it under consideration. You remember that at his death on the cross, he became our defense attorney. He was sent into a courtroom and looks at an indictment of evidence that suggests a guilty outcome. Guilty as charged and the ensuing penalty, death. But the lamb steps up and says, I'd like to present an outcome not presently under consideration. Namely, innocence, not guilty. Does anybody know Jesus is before the throne advocating on your behalf right now? God is calling forth an outcome that wasn't under consideration before his death. And according to the Apostle Paul, we were all dead in sins and trespasses. But when the Lamb of God enters the room, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Everything in your life changes and it takes on a new purpose and it takes on a new meaning and it takes on a new perspective because the Lamb has shown up. The Lamb is in the room. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10, I'm doing a little sidebar here, but this will give us a little more insight. There's a, for you English majors, this will help you, and I'll, I'll give you the terminology here in just a second. The 70 returned with joy, saying to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Now, why did he say that? I saw him fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. What did he see? English version, there is an imperative indicative. Now, what's an imperative indicative? When I looked that up and I saw, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. An imperative indicative. Jesus said, when I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, he said, I was watching him, I was doing, I am doing, and I'm not done yet. Does anybody get that? 
I am doing, I was doing, I am doing, but I'm not done yet. He said, I was doing it in the vision that I shared with the Father before the foundation of the world. I have been doing it just a few chapters ago when I was in the wilderness. And he tried to take over the throne room of my heart. Do what he did to the first Adam, but I cast him down there. But I'm not done with my casting down yet. You see, there's going to be a moment on the other side of the cross. After I die, when I'm resurrected, when I'm going to take care of unfinished business. So from the time of Genesis chapter 3, when God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, the cool of the garden, until the gardener returns in John chapter 20, the Lamb's agenda was to do and accomplish what he had promised in John chapter 14. What did he promise? Get this, don't miss it. The lamb would not leave us comfortless. It suggests imagery. Imagine, if you will, the conversation between the Father and the Holy Spirit. It may have gone like this. Father, can I go today? Is today the day that I can go? Can I go live in them today? And one day the Father leans over the portals of glory and he says to him, You know, Holy Spirit... I think today just knew. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they heard a sound from heaven. Humanity had not heard the sound since the last day in Eden. But I believe the Holy Spirit showed up at that moment and he stepped into the room like he did this morning. Understand the dynamic of the Holy Spirit, folks, if you can begin to grasp the dynamic of what happens. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about making you feel good. It's making you aware that his presence has shown up and everything that he's promised in his word is available and at our disposal. Miracles, signs, wonders, the purposes of God and his plan are being released before us right before our very eyes. It's happening. I believe the Holy Ghost showed up in the room at that moment. He popped into the room and said, Fellas, I've been bottling this stuff up. If you look at the chronological timeline, 1,400,278 days. What if you were the Holy Spirit and you'd been bottling it up and you said, I've been bottling this stuff up. And I can't promise you that when I pop the lid on this can that it's going to be just a gentle breeze. <laughs> Are you getting this? And suddenly, you know what? I love it when divine suddenlies happen. Divine suddenlies. God couldn't move us where he wants to take us if divine suddenlies didn't happen in our lives. It just surprises us. We're startled. We're overtaken by it. But suddenly... A sound from heaven. And then a rushing mighty wind shows up. And cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them. And they begin to speak with other tongues. And they begin to prophesy as the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon them and give them utterance. But there's another transaction that's happening here. The Holy Spirit's here in the upper room. 
And the Son is in the throne room. The Holy Spirit's on earth. The Son's in the throne room. Jesus said, I have to go there so he can come here. I won't leave you comfortless, he's saying. But when he's in the upper room, the Lamb of God's in the throne room, what's the problem? Jesus popped in and he said, look at the accuser. Look what he's doing to the accuser. You see, the accuser was the one who had authority to appear in the courtroom of heaven, the formal court, and level an indictment against humanity. Here's what he was saying. Since the fall, all of mankind, look at them. Look at them, Father. They're just a bunch of stupid fools. They're just a bunch of idiots. Just get rid of them. Kill them all. That's what the devil wants. What does he come for? To kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, looks at the accuser and he says, you know, here's the imperative indicative. I knew this was coming a long time ago. I knew this was coming and I made a trip. I made a trip to pay for that and I paid for this moment with my blood. And I want you to know that you may have held a place as an official agent in the court as the accuser of the brethren, but the Father has given me a far superior position in the courtroom, the throne room of God. And that is one of advocate representative who not only has the possibility to call forth a new provision, but I want you to know that you are not going to kill humanity. You're not going to rule over them. I have a new plan for them. I was doing it. I am doing it. And I'm about to get it done right now. Satan, devil, you're out of the throne room. Bam, get out of here. Get out of God's presence. See, there's not any room in the courtroom for an advocate and an accuser. There's no room in the courtroom for an advocate and an accuser. Whether that, whether that room is the room in heaven, or it's the throne room of your heart, or it's a room in your home. Let me tell you something. If the accuser is wreaking havoc in your home, in your marriage, on the job, whatever place, you have a new advocate that occupies the throne of your heart. And God has given you the power by and through his spirit to say enough's enough. Enough's enough. Remember, the accuser was cast down to earth. The accuser has come down to earth. How do I bring the force of the lamb in the midst of what the accuser is doing to bear on him? We just read it in verse 11, chapter 12. We overcome. What did we do last week? Word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. What does that make us? Overcomers. Overcomers. They overcame. What are you doing? You speak it. You sing it. You pray it. You pray it. I don't know if we're going to do this at the marriage conference, the upcoming marriage conference. 
But when I was a voice major at the University of Central Florida, we had, I, I took a class called Opera Workshop. We studied operatic literature. We did costume and scene design. We did the whole thing, and then we put on the production. It was all a student-led thing. <clears throat> and our, our professor would have us, in order to understand dramatic expression, they would have us get right in each other's face, and we had to look eye to eye at each other. You know the hardest thing to do is look somebody straight in the eye? We can talk to somebody, and we're always looking away. But let me tell you something. God the Holy Spirit is here this morning. He's looking us right in the eye. He's looking us eye to eye. It's hard for married couples to look each other in the eye. You go to, I've been to some marriage conferences. The hardest thing for them to do is to look each other in the eye and make declarations to each other because we know each other so well. Don't we? Married couples? We know each other so well. So that, that we, we have the ability, we have the ability to call forth the things of God out of one another or... We can speak things that aren't so nice. They can be detrimental. Yeah. So it's important that we don't give place to the devil. We don't give him an opportunity, but we take the word of the living God and we begin to, begin to speak forth those things. Brandon mentioned it a minute ago about the voice. The voice. The voice of the Lord. The voice of God. Let me ask you a question. I'm closing. Whose voice are you listening to today? Whose voice? I've given you enough meat of the word to chew on for a while about what happens in the throne, in the heavenlies, about why he's ascended, why he descended. He sent forth the Holy Spirit. When Jesus prophesied, he said, he's with you now, but he shall be in you. And when he's in you, he'll come forth and testify of me. He'll begin to speak forth. In other words, you'll give voice to the Holy Spirit. David declares in, in Psalms <clears throat> that we need to give place to the voice of the Lord speaking forth. Let me ask you this. Are you a voice or an echo? Are you a voice? Or are you just an echo? I want to be a voice. I want to be the voice of the Lord. I want to declare. I want to speak forth. I want to sing forth. Boy, we were singing some powerful stuff this morning. And since I'm a music person, let me just say this. Don't play the worship wars. Don't get into the worship conflict. And the worship team didn't tell me to say this and didn't pay me to say anything. But when they are standing up here, they are the high priests that are leading us. Justin mentioned it a few weeks ago. We are priesting. We are priesting. We are part of that royal priesthood. Why? Because we've been granted authority by the Holy Spirit to carry forth those things. And when they are standing up here playing and singing and declaring the works of God and the presence of the Lord shows up, it is our invitation to enter in, not to stand there and say, well, you know, I'm just going to sit down. That's not my favorite song. Got real quiet in here. That's not my song. I wish they'd sing the song I got saved at when I got saved. 
I'd shout all over this room if they had just sing that old song when I got saved. I, I know, I'm striking a nerve here. I understand that. And here's why I can say that. Because I can reach all the way back and sing the hymnody of the church. I can sing, I'll fly away, victory in Jesus, standing on the promises, living by faith. I can go down a whole litany of them. But I find nowhere in Scripture, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but this has to do with the Holy Spirit because we want to point an accusing finger at what we don't like because of personal taste. But I want the Holy Spirit to baptize us today in a fresh new anointing that comes out of our mouth and says, Yes, Lord, speak to me for your servants listening. I want to hear what you have to say when your glory shows up and your presence fills the room. I'm not going to do like they used to do on American Bandstand with Dick Clark. I'll give it a 95 because it's easy to dance to. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Don't we rate music that way in our lives, whether we like it or not? Oh, I like that. That's my beat. Oh, I, we can clap our hands to that. Yeah. Yeah. One day I'm going to teach y'all the Pentecostal hand clap because most of the time here, I've noticed, we clap on one and three. Pentecostals clap on two and four. So we have to learn that. Hallelujah. We have to speak it forth. We have to pray it out. We have to declare it. The knowledge of your glory, Lord, is covering my life as the waters cover the sea. It's saturating my home. It's saturating every fiber of my being. Habakkuk 2.14. Philippians 1.6. I know this, that he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So when the praise team says, Behold the Lamb. Come on, lamb, eyes wide open. What do you want to say? I want whatever your agenda, whatever purpose you have for my life. Whoever you are, please go to the nursery. Let's close with this. Declaration. I've been talking about declaration this morning. And I, I know we've got, a, we've got other things on the, on the docket this morning. We've got, we've got to get to. But I want to I I end with this. Can we bring that scripture up? Jude 24. Jude 24 and 25. This is the amplified version. <clears throat> this is the lamb's agenda. This is what the lamb wants to do. Stop letting the enemy falsely accuse you. You are a child of the most high God. If you have... If you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Savior and his blood has been sprinkled over the mercy seat of your heart, hallelujah be to the Lamb, then you pass through mercy to get to grace and love forgives you, but holy is healing you. 
whatever was in your past. He has done it. He is doing it. And he will continue to do it. For he that promised is faithful. And he will complete it. Stand up with me. Hallelujah. Now I want you to, let's declare this together. Can we do it? I wanted to speak this and we'll do this. It's two verses and we're done. But this is the declaration that we need to declare over our lives. You can declare this over your children, over your home. You can declare this at the job. If things are a little topsy-turvy and a little shaky, begin to declare and speak the word of the Lord. If they'll let you take your little radio in there, start playing praise music in there. And just permeate the room with the glory of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. Are we ready? Let's declare this together. Now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you unblemished, blameless and faultless before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exultation with unspeakable ecstatic to the only one to our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, splendor, majesty, might and dominion and power and authority before all time and now and forever unto all the ages of eternity. Amen. So be it. Can we give the Lord praise in the house of God today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord give you his peace. The Lord grant that the Holy Spirit would continue to create in you the Lamb's agenda. That every day of your life will be impacted by his presence, by his power, and by his glory. In the strong name of the risen Son of the living God, let it happen. Amen and amen. Love you all. Thank you, family.